Well, good morning. I just got off a week vacation in San Diego where the high was like 63 degrees. And I'm actually was excited to have it a little bit warmer today. So this is kind of nice. I'm digging this. But then I looked and it's going to be in the 90s now. And I'm like, no, I don't want that. And let's just keep it like this. But hey, I'm excited that you guys are here today. Thank you for joining us today. We have been going through our series over the last six, seven weeks. Uh, we've been walking through the Way, Truth, and Life series. Now, I'm just curious, for those of you guys who are here today, if you were a part of a Way, Truth, Life small group, if you were a part of a small group this last semester, would you stand up real quick, please? Stand up. If you were a part of a small group this last semester, I want you to just stand up where you're at. This is awesome. Okay, Donna, you stand up too. Come on, Donna. You were part of this. You stand up too. Anyway, it's part of this. I want you to look around. This is great. We actually gathered together in community uh, to walk through this series together. So we were preaching on it. We were walking through it together. And by the way, this is a great way to get connected. If you're trying to figure out how do I get better connected at church or I'm just not getting much and I want more, this is what you guys can sit down. Thank you guys for letting me pull you out there. But here's the deal is during the summer, we've got like the pickleball thing that's going on, but we've also got some other Bible studies coming this fall though. I want you to consider, pray this summer, if you did not stand, if you're not a part of a small group of some sort, I'd love, I really want you to consider being a part of one, especially this next fall. It is going to be, uh, it's a great time. It's a great way to make friends. It's a great way to get support. It's a great way to support others. Some people are like, I don't want to be in a group because I'm good. I don't need anything. Cool. Great. That means God's blessed you apparently so much so that now he wants to take that blessing that he's given to you and he wants to use that to help support other people. Sometimes church, let me change that. Most of the time, church isn't about what you're going to get out. It's about what you're going to put in. And so this is the deal. I really want to encourage you guys to do this. I, I tried to get people to share stories about what had gone on uh, in their different groups, and people didn't want to get up and share. So I'll just say that it was a great time. I know in our group that we had in our house, we had amazing conversations every single night, and we're looking forward to, to getting together again as we kick off our fall semester. So that's coming up. That's not public shaming. That's public encouragement. I really do want to encourage you to be a part of a group. It really does change church, and it changes everything. So we've been walking through this. We did this Way Truth Life series, and it was uh, all focused around this idea of this discipleship being a, uh, a journey of grace. Discipleship was a journey of grace. That is, we are discipled. Discipleship is this. Discipleship is becoming more and more like like Christ, increasing our ability to become more and more like him. So he increases in us and we decrease. But that's what discipleship, it's learning and doing it. And we describe this, or Dave, Dr. Busick described it as this journey of grace, that God's grace meets us from before we even start knowing that we're a disciple all the way through to the day we die, that his grace is a part of that journey. And we looked at amazing grace, that initial grace, what God did for us. We look at the seeking grace and we talked about how, how God seeks us out and pursues us and his grace is at work before his prevenient grace is at work, before we even know that he's, that, that, that he's there. Saving grace through Christ that we got where Jesus died on that cross and rose from the grave to bring us salvation. We also have the sanctifying grace where we go from being saved to then he purifies our life as we completely submit ourselves to him, as he becomes our goal, as we really truly submit all of who we are to him. And then his sustaining grace that walks with us every single day and his sufficient grace that is always enough for whatever comes our way. And so we walked through this entire uh, series. And we know that this actually comes out of 
this idea of the way, truth, and life, that comes from one of Jesus' statements that he makes in John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, what's interesting about it is, I don't know if you know this, but that's actually one of seven I am statements. Did you know that? Okay, it's one of seven I am statements. He makes these seven statements. All of them are found in the book of John. So if you want to, during our series, the next three weeks, this is what we're going to be walking through are some of these I am statements. Now, I think that I could be safe to say that we've covered the way, truth, and life one, right? Haven't we? Jesus saying, I'm the way and truth of life. I think we've, we've covered that one. So we're not going to look at that one, but we're going to look at some of the other ones. And all of these statements, these I am statements that, that Jesus makes, the intent and the purpose is Jesus is wanting to reveal to us who he is. It's very, very important that we understand who he is. And at Jesus' time, when this was, these statements were being made, there were all sorts of different ideas, some misguided, way off the mark ideas of who Jesus actually was. And um, in fact, if you, you look in Matthew 16, this is what Jesus says. This is when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, uh, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, well, some say you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He, Jesus stops and he looks at his disciples and he's getting together with him and says, okay, okay, what's the word on the street? What are people out there saying? What are the rumors? What are you hearing? And so people start throwing these out. Well, uh, some are saying that you're John the Baptist. And he's like thinking, John baptized me. How could I be John the Baptist? Did I baptize myself? Okay, no. All right, interesting. Others say you're Elijah, the prophet that God's taken away. Uh, Jeremiah or one of the prophets, maybe he's just a prophet. And then Jesus flips this. And in verse 15, he says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. He turns the question and says, who do you say I am? He's trying to get this. He's trying to help them know. He's trying to figure out, do you know me? Do you actually know who I am? You see, who you say Jesus is matters. Who I say Jesus is, who I know Jesus to be matters. By the way, that's your Christology. The words that you think. Christology is just, simp it's just a word that means words about Christ. It's, it's, it's the study of Christ, who Jesus is. Who you know and understand Jesus to be is very, very crucial. And he's asking them this question, who do you say? And Peter steps up and he says, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. This is huge. Because he's saying, I really know who you are. You are God. You are the promised one. You are the Messiah. You have come down from earth to here to be with us. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. You see, it was revealed to Peter who Jesus was. And Jesus is going to go on in these seven statements and reveal to the people, to his disciples, and really to us who he is. You see, it was vital, it was crucial that, that the disciples understood clearly who Jesus was. Again, a disciple 
is meant to become like their master. Their disciples of Jesus were meant to become like Jesus. And if they're not sure who he is, this is kind of a problem, right? It was vital that the disciples understood clearly who Jesus was. Guess what? If we are disciples of Christ, it is very important that we understand clearly who Jesus is. You see, there are lots of ideas and there are lots of misguided ideas about who he was or who he was not that get thrown around out there. But the good news is Jesus says, well, let me reveal to you who I am. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at these seven statements, these I am statements. Well, we're going to look at a few of these I am statements. We're going to look at three of them actually over the next three weeks at what Jesus reveals about himself to other people. And it's interesting is these words, I am, carry great significance. These are very, very big, bold words. This I am, this I am idea is the covenant name of Jesus, the covenant name of God. And it actually, as the Jewish listeners would hear Jesus say these words, I am, they would go, whoa, because they understood that that's how God identified himself. They understood, they knew God's description of who he was. Because it echoed all the way back into the Torah, back into the book of Exodus, where Jesus, where God is meeting with Moses at that burning bush, and he's calling him, saying, this is what I want you to do with your life. I want you to go back now to Egypt. I want you to get my people. I want you to talk to Pharaoh, have him set my people free. And Moses obviously gets anxious. He gets nervous. How am I going to do that? What am I going to say to this? What, am I say? what if the people don't believe me? What if the people don't like me? What if the people, he's like trying to figure out any way to, to figure out, God, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. And God gives him these words here in verse 14 where he said, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. Forget Pharaoh at this point. We're just talking about his own people, right? He's not even talking about how I convince Pharaoh. Mm, how do we convince the Israelites? Tell them this is what you're to say to them. I am has sent you. The I am has sent you. God himself, the creator of the heavens and the earth, has sent you to lead them. And in that, they will have confidence knowing that Yahweh has sent you to them. This is how they would know. In this moment, when Jesus makes these claims here, and he talks about this I am, what he's saying is, I'm deity. I'm God. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that you have been waiting for. So there are seven of these statements, seven I am statements of Jesus that he makes. Uh, they're in your bulletin. Uh, if you've got those, your, your handout. For those of you at home, you can download that off the internet and you can check that out. Uh, there are seven I am statements. Now here's the deal, okay? Uh, these are the seven. He talks about I'm the bread of life, hence the bread today. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way, truth, and life, and I am the true vine. These are the seven statements that he makes. Okay, we've already covered the I am the way and truth and life. Today, I'm going to talk about I am the bread of life. We're going to cover this one. But here's the deal. This is what I want to do over the next two weeks. Have you, do you remember those Choose Your Own Adventure books? Where you get done reading a paragraph and it says, if you want to do, if you want to turn left and go into the cave, go to page 62. If you want to dive into the ocean and, and snorkel with dolphins, then you turn to page 41. You know what I mean? Remember those books? People are like, no, you missed out. Those are great books. 
Now everything's like, just click on this button and it goes to that and you can choose your own adventure. Stories like this. This is what we're going to do. We're going to choose your own sermon series here for the next two weeks. This is what I want you to do. You have response cards. As you got, came in, you got response cards. Those ones we want you to fill out. Online, same thing. There's online response cards. This is what I want you to do. I want you to pick what two passages you want me to talk about. You pick two statements, and the next two weeks, I'm going to talk about those things. So everybody, go on your response card, write those down. If I want to hear, don't, don't choose bread, because I'm doing that today. I'm the way through life. I'm doing that. We've already done that. Of the five remaining one, you pick two, and Monday morning, we're going to tally up the response cards, and whatever the top two vote getters are, that's what I'm going to talk about the next two weeks, okay? So if we get done, and you're really disappointed with the next two weeks, it's your fault you voted on them. And if you didn't vote, it's really your fault because you should have voted on them. And so pick what you got, okay? So we're going to put these on there. I want you to, uh, to make sure that you, you, you choose your own adventure. I thought this would be fun. This would be cool because these are really important statements, okay? These are really, really important statements. Um, Jesus says in these, well, these are super important for a reason because at the core uh, the core of these statements, Jesus revealed that he was the Messiah that they're waiting for. You see, there's three themes that are going to run through the book of John. All of these statements are found in the book of John. John wants to make sure that his listeners know that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is God, that he is the Son of God. The second thing he wants to talk about is the idea of life, what real life is all about. And the third one that he talks about a lot is love. So if you read stuff written by John, you're going to hear about love, life, and Jesus being the Messiah, okay? So those are those things. But this is a bold statement to make. So when Jesus makes these bold statements, again, claiming that he is the Messiah, he's the son of God, these first century Jews would be familiar with this, like I said, and they would go, whoa, you're claiming to be the Messiah. Now, obviously, if you were anybody other than Jesus and you claimed to be the Messiah, this would be considered blasphemy. And the punishment for blasphemy is death, which is why eventually they do accuse Jesus of blasphemy and he goes to the cross as ordained by God and, and delivered by him. But um, he was revealing to them that he was the Messiah. And um, what's interesting is as we look at these I am statements and we look about who Jesus is revealing, I want you to think about this. Nobody knew Jesus better than Jesus, right? Right? Nobody knows Jesus better than Jesus. He knows who he is. He knew, in fact, if you look throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the Gospels, if you look at his life, he was very, very clear about who he was. He was very, very clear about who God was. He was very, very clear about what his purpose and what he was, his plan was to do. And you see him over and over again deferring and sticking to the plan and staying with who he is through everything. He never, he never varies from this. So as we look at these, at these topics and we look at what it reveals, if Jesus knows himself better than anybody else, shouldn't we look to see what Jesus says about himself? Um, Jesus wanted us, the important thing is Jesus wanted us to clearly know who he is. If nobody knows himself better than Jesus, like, listen, just so we can make this sure, let me help you understand. I'm going to use a bunch of different analogies, too, and different metaphors to help you understand who I am, because it's very important that you clearly know who I am. Like I said, who we understand Jesus to be is critical to us. Obviously, Christ is central to who we are as Christians. If Christ isn't central to who you are as a Christian, who, I don't know who you're following then, because you're really not a Christian. If Christ isn't central to who you are. Christ is very, very essential. So we need to know who he is. We need to understand and remember he's not just this great ticket to heaven. Look, I don't want to go to hell, so I'll follow Jesus. 
That's not, that's not who he is, okay? He's not just a good teacher who had some great ideas and the revolutionary stuff. This would be great, be a servant instead of, you know, be someone that, that served. He wasn't just a great prophet, but Jesus needs to be seen and understood, especially as we go through these seven statements. We need to know that, that Jesus is, is our daily sustenance. He, he is our, our direction. He's our protector. He's our sacrificial savior. Uh, he's our victory over death. He's our access to the Father and eternal life. And, of course, uh, he is our strength and our shield in everything that we do. So remember, as we're going through this journey of grace, the point of the journey of grace is to become like Jesus. The journey of grace is this journey to become more and more like Jesus. So it's important that we understand very clearly who Jesus is so that we know whether we're making, whether we're hitting the mark or not, right? Makes sense. Okay. So let's go ahead and, and get into this. And, um, oh, I already said this. I had a slide in there. Do it. Okay. Wait. Do this all the time. All right. Number four. Uh, so we're going to start. This is what we're going to start with is uh, we're going to do with our first statement today. And that is this where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Now, what's interesting is, is he makes this analogy, and as we get into the story today, we're going to be in the book of John chapter 6. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to John chapter 6. That's where we're going to be today. John chapter 6. And this statement comes out of, actually out of verse 35, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And like I said, it's not just a random statement. Jesus didn't go, eh, I'm like bread. There's actually a reason why he talks about bread, and there's a reason why he uses this, this metaphor and this analogy, because Jesus has just come off in a, in a, a, an encounter where they have witnessed and watched Jesus with 5,000 plus people take a loaf of bread, well, not even a loaf of bread, a loaf of bread. He had five loaves of bread and a couple of fish, and they had watched him take that and multiply those five loaves and feed 5,000 people plus. Not just feed them, but feed them until they were all satisfied in their hunger. It's kind of interesting. They just watched him do this. And then after this had happened, Jesus kind of goes off to, uh, and he retreats and he goes off to pray. And then after that, he does a little walking on water business. Uh, and then uh, after that, he meets back up with his disciples that he had sent across the ocean. And uh, off the sea. And so people notice that he's gone. They've been seeing this miracle that he'd done. And now they're looking for Jesus. They're like, where are you? Where did you go? We want to see some more cool stuff. We're hungry still. We're hungry again. We need to, we need, and they're looking for Jesus. And eventually they catch up with Jesus. They find him a little bit later on. And Jesus actually scolds them a little bit. And he's like, listen, you're just coming to me for free meals. Why are you just coming? You're just coming. Oh, man, come on. And that's where we're going to pick up this, this, this story today is them finding Jesus. Uh, so if you've got your Bibles, open up to John chapter 6, verse 26 is where we're going to start. Read verse 36. If you could stand with me, if you are able, please stand with me. And let us read God's word today, starting in John chapter 6, starting with verse 26. This is what Jesus says. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You were looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, well, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. So they asked him, well, what miraculous sign then will you give that, that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? 
Our forefathers ate manna in the desert, and as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Father God, as we um, dig into your word today as we read this, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. This is a passage, this is a scripture. We've heard this before, Lord, but I pray that you would speak to us new and fresh today. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So, Jesus here has gone off. They finally catch up with him. And, and he tells them, listen, you're just looking at me because you, you saw I gave you guys food, and now you want food again. This is what you're doing, okay? Uh, all you're doing is this, is you saw these signs, and now you, you had your fill, and now you want it again. And then he turns and says, all right, so this is what you guys are thinking. You're thinking about this food thing, so let's roll with the food analogy. And he says, listen, don't work for food that spoils but for food that endures. He's talking to them about their life. What are you giving your life to? He's talking with them and he's saying, listen, you, you're, you're working, you're toiling, you're spending, you're focused on these things that spoil, that rot, that, that are worthless, that are they're temporary. He's like, I want you to think about something eternal. Eternal life, which is what the Son of Man will give you. And he said, for on, the, on, him, for on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. He's trying to shift them a little bit from Thinking about the temporary, he's trying to shift them to something different, to the eternal. But then they ask him, well, what must we do then to do the works that God requires? So are they saying, okay, this bread, we want this bread, so what do we got to do? What do we have to do? And don't we do that, right? We're like, okay, God, you want me to be something? You want me to, okay, so what do I got to do, God? What do I got to do? That's what we want to know, right? We ask ourselves that question. Do I I, I read? What do I have to do? And God, Jesus very quickly answers them. The work of God is this, is to believe. Our job, our participation in this journey of grace is that we need to put our faith in him, that we need to believe in the one that God has sent. And he's telling these people that are following him, he says, this is, you want to know what to do? This is what you do. Believe in the one that's been sent. That's me. So they ask him, okay, well then what sign will you give? They're, now they're like, okay, so verify who you are. And he's probably thinking, I fed 5,000 yesterday with some uh, loaves of, not enough, okay. So they ask him, what sign will you give me? Will you give that we may see it and believe in you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, for it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So immediately they're like, okay, 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 let's go with the bread thing. We know our ancestors back in, in, when they were on their exodus, God provided manna from them from heaven. And so they gave them this food. And so let's do that. Let's go with that. And it's funny because a lot of times we think about this bread of life thing. We think about, and we refer back to this, or we refer to uh, the good, uh, the the, um, 23rd Psalm, or the, the Lord's Prayer, excuse me, where it says, give us this day our daily bread, which comes from this idea of uh, and, and hearkening back to the Exodus story. He says, so, so let's go from this. So then Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given the bread uh, from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the bread from heaven. He's like, that didn't come from Moses, that was from God. 
And then he moves on and says, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they're hearing this and yes, that's the coolest bread ever. We want that bread. Sir, yes, give, always give us this bread. That's what we want. Give us that bread. And he goes, cool. You want that bread? I'm the bread. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus rolls right into this and says, you want that bread? It's me. There's nothing that you do. I'm here for you to experience this eternal life. So in this passage, what is he revealing about himself? What is Jesus doing? The first thing that he reveals, and he wants to make sure that he reveals, is his deity. He's, re- he's re- making sure they understand that I, I am God. I am God coming down in human flesh. I am Yahweh. I am. He's identifying that. We've already kind of talked about that. But he's like, I, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that you're waiting for. And what he's trying to get them to do is to believe. Like, I need you to understand who I am and believe in me and follow me. This is great. I'm here right in front of you. Let's go for this. So the first thing he's talking about is he's revealing his deity. The second thing that he reveals is that Jesus is the only way to satisfy our hunger and our thirst. He's the only way to satisfy our hunger and our thirst. Now, what's interesting is that um, I looked, I was looking this up. I was just curious because I had an image in my brain about it. But uh, do you know how long you can go without food? What'd you say? 40 days? It's actually longer than 40 days. You can go almost two months. Did you know that? Two months without food. Is there a doctor or a nurse in here? Is anybody a doctor? I don't even know. Anyway, I looked at It's on the internet, so it must be true. Uh, but it was like 60. It was like, you can go almost two months without food. I mean, I can't go two months without food, but somebody can go two months for the parent without dying. But then I was like, okay, well, so what about water? How long does it take for water? Water. What's that? Three days. Three days. So you can go two months without the bread. You can't go three. That's why I got this stuff today. This is, this is core water. It is perfectly balanced for pH three. I took my glasses. So pH something, it's, it is hydration. Even if you drink this, three, four days into it, you're toast. We need it. So Jesus, he's talking about this idea of, of I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again and will never thirst. And see, they are still thinking physical stuff at this point. But Jesus comes by and he says, I'm the only way. You look for satisfaction of your food. You saw the satisfaction came from that other meal. But listen, you're, you eat, you're going to continue to be hungry. You're going to drink, and you're going to continue to need this. And Jesus tried to help them understand that. I'm the one that sustains you. I am your daily bread. I am what will sustain your life. I'm the only thing that will actually truly satisfy your hunger and your thirst. And we do, don't we? We have a hunger and a thirst. And I'm not talking about the fact that some of you are thinking about what you're going to do now after church to eat. I'm talking about we have a hunger and a thirst in our lives for meaning, for purpose, it's like internally we have this thing that knows that something is broken, something's not right, that, that there's this relationship that we were created to be in. And we got to figure out what to do with this sinful nature and this sinful life. What do we do? Some people just reject that there's a relationship to be had out there with God. 
Other people say, I will find my own way to satisfy my hunger and thirst. And we will look and we will look. But we seek and we want. There's something that's crazy. We're craving something. We're just not sure what it is. And you can watch the world out there, right? And we're, we're in it. So we see it. There's this hunger and a thirst for something. And we search for it any way we possibly can. And Jesus comes along and says, it's me. I'm what you're hungering and thirsting for. And I'm the only one that can quench this hunger and thirst. Everything else is going to leave you wanting and needing more. And this idea of hunger and thirst is actually a part of what he talks about um, a little bit earlier on as he preaches in Matthew 5, where Jesus says, and to understand this hunger and thirst, it, it says this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. He's, he's kind of pulling from the same thing. He's saying, what you hunger and thirst for is to be made right before me. You and I are not in right relationship. Because of sin, that relationship has been broken. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, who have this appetite to be right before me, to be in a right relationship for me. Because like I said, there are people that are just like, no, I reject that I even need a relationship with you. I reject you. I'm going to go look for this filling of myself in another way. But for those of us who have a hunger and a thirst to be made right before God, he says, I am that way. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness and you come to Jesus, you are satisfied. He is the only one that can actually quench that thirst. And he's obviously, as he's talking with them in, in this passage, he's not talking about their physical, actual hunger and thirst. Okay? What he's talking about here is our thirst to be made right before God, to be in right relationship. And Jesus is the only way to be in a relationship with God. There is no tithe or offering that you can give that will be enough that will make you right before God. There is no act of service that you can do to make you right before God. There's no amount of prayers or Bible reading that make you right before God. There's nothing that you and I can do on our own to make ourselves right before God. The only way we are made in right relationship with God is by grace through faith in Christ alone. That's it. Jesus did it. And what's our job? What's our part? To believe in the one whom he sent. That's our job. That he enables by his grace. As you are here this morning on this June Sunday, what's your relationship with God like? Are you in right relationship with God? Or are you in an estranged relationship with God? Or do you seek and have you received Jesus in Christ? Have you gotten to that place where he has made you right, where his blood has covered you, where he has made you right before him? Or are you still trying to Make yourself right. Maybe your heart's been so hardened that you're like, I don't even care. I don't even want to be right before him. I don't even care about God. Maybe our prayer today is just simply, I'm sitting here and I'm in this and I want to be made right, but I don't even know that I want to want to. And maybe the prayer life begins with, Lord, give me a hunger and a thirst for you. Right now, everything I crave is from this world. God, give me a hunger and a thirst for you. And he will foster that in us, that hunger and that thirst. 
The second thing, next thing that he's revealing is Jesus came, revealed that he came to be their eternal sustenance rather than their temporary sustenance. Their eternal sustenance rather than their temporary sustenance. It's interesting here as you think about this permanent and temporary, we've, we focus on the temporary a lot, don't we? Every single day we are focused on our temporary sustenance. We're focused on the food. We're focused on the things that we think that we need. I still remember, I go back to probably the greatest meal that I've ever eaten. Um, I was wanting to take my wife out for our anniversary. It was young in our marriage. We didn't have a whole lot of money. And so I had a friend of mine who was a bus driver. And one of the cool things about being a bus driver, apparently, uh, a charter bus driver is that uh, they, you get a lot of comped meals. And so he had these passes for these different comped meals. And he had one for a really nice restaurant in San Jose. And so he gave it to us. Uh, Dean Golden, thank you so much for that uh, comp back then. Because he gave us this thing. And we go to the restaurant and we figured, oh, we'll go to, a, uh, go to a dinner and then we'll go have a movie. It's just a couple doors down, so we'll go do that. And we get there and the restaurant's kind of unassuming restaurant, really not a whole lot going on. But as soon as we walked in, we quickly realized that one, we were underdressed and we were in for something interesting. And we walked in, we're like, well, this is a nice restaurant. And the maitre d' comes up and we had reservations. So they took us back and sit down and then our waiter comes out and I show him this pass, the, the, these, this coupon or this certificate. And it says, it's good for two two meals. And we're not thinking anything of it. And he goes, reading it. And he goes, give me a second here. And he goes off to his, and I can see him talking. And all I can think of is, my gosh, he stiffed us. He gave us a coupon that's expired. We're going to have to pay. We can't even afford the bread and water that's out there. I don't know what's going on. The guy comes back and he's got a little grin on his face. And he goes, you have a meal, you have a, a pass. This, this certificate is good for two comped meals. He said, so dinner is on us tonight. And we're like, oh, okay, well, show us the entrance. He goes, no, you don't understand. It's all on us tonight. And he said, um, I'm going to give you the, he gave us the menus. He says, here's the menus. He says, I would suggest, uh, recommend these appetizers, these main courses, these desserts, these sides. And I'm going, well, I don't know what this is. Uh, what? And so he goes away and we start looking through and we're trying to figure what's going on. I'm like, okay, we're kind of figuring. And we're having a hard time picking out which things we want necessarily. And he comes back to the table with these two little things, little Glasses like this that have this soup that said the chef is very excited that you're dining with us tonight. He sent this out as a, a complimentary thing for you. Uh, enjoy this. Uh, do you know what you want? And we're like, oh, we're thinking about this for an appetizer or, or this for an appetizer. And he goes, and then I said, well, and there's also this one. And he goes, get all three. I don't live in that world of get all three. <laughs> okay. So we get all three of them. And, he, and we're like, okay, we'll get all three of those. And he goes, well, well what about for your meals? And we said, well, um, I, I, boy, that Kobe beef steak, that looks, that, that looks fantastic. Um, I definitely want that. My wife wants the pasta, but man, that lobster stuff looks. And he goes, get all three. <laughs> I was like, okay, give me all three. So then we're like, what about sides? And so we start picking out sides and putting the whole thing on there. And, the, and he walks away and we're looking at each other like, Gosh, I can't believe what we're doing. We get to do this. this is weird. Uh, now, understand, this is a small portion restaurant. So it's not like they're coming out. It's not, you know, it's not like the Hungry Bear diner or whatever. Uh, and so comes out, and here comes our appetizers, and we taste them, and they are just delicious, amazing. And then our main course comes out, and we start eating. We're sharing this and do this. And I ate all the Kobe beef because she doesn't like steak, and I wasn't sharing anyways. So we did all that. We eat this meal. We finally get done. Oh, it was so delicious. And and we're like, and he comes out and he goes, okay, dessert. And we're like, oh, we're, we're full. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. We have a very special pastry chef that comes out here and does all of our dessert stuff. You should get dessert. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so, well, and they have these pairings of, um, 
of dessert. So she got the chocolate pairing, and I got the dulce de leche pairing, and out comes this plate with these three different offerings of chocolate and three different offerings. And we're eating this, and he goes, by the way, we have a brand new espresso machine that just came over from Italy. We're firing it up tonight for the first time. You should have some espresso. My wife's like, I can't do anything else. I'm like, I will take a cappuccino. Let's do that. And so, bring the, so we get done. We get this whole thing. We get this, this, uh, this bill, and um, it, it shows how much the actual cost is if we were eating. And I realized that I eventually ended up tipping more than I normally pay for a meal. But it was there, and it was all there, and it was, it was amazing. It was the most amazing meal that I've ever had. Everything was delicious, just the right portion. And as I was done with that meal, I was satisfied. It was amazing. It tasted so good, and it's free. Doesn't everything taste just a little bit better free? It was good. It tasted, it was great. And we went off and we watched our movie. And I still remember the next morning I woke up and the weirdest thing happened. I was hungry again. <laughs> so I had breakfast and then craziest thing is then around noon, one o'clock, I got hungry again. So I had this lunch thing and then dinner rolled around. I was hungry again. I had three meals that day. And you know what's crazy? It's kind of been that way every single day of my life, as you can experience. <laughs> Why? We're never completely really satisfied. We always need more sustenance. Every single day, we need more. And Jesus here comes along, and as he's using this analogy, he's kind of like, you guys want to go with the bread thing? Okay, let's go with the bread. We'll stick with this. This will help you understand. And Jesus is trying to help them go from, very quickly as you see through that, he's trying to shift them from thinking about their temporary daily sustenance, their temporary sustenance, to their eternal sustenance. We are so fixated on the temporary that so many times we, we treat and we, we elevate the temporary and forget about the eternal. We live our lives not with eternity in mind, but we live our lives with just what's in front of us. And we get consumed by our issues and the problems and the things that are going on all the time forgetting how long eternity is. And what Jesus is really offering us as his disciples, if we will come to him. He's trying to shift them away from the temporary and put them onto the eternal. It's why Jesus will come along and say, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The whole point of Jesus' coming was to bring us eternal life. Not temporary life. He didn't come so that our day-to-day -day life would be just all rosy and perfect. Because as you and I can attest, right, life is hard. It is difficult. There are moments of bliss and fantastic awesomeness, right? But life can be difficult. It is filled with pain. There is heartache. There is heartbreak. There is sin. There is brokenness. There is all that stuff that we experience every day. And in the middle of that, he came to ultimately bring us hope that comes from eternal life. So that our day-to-day -day lives change because we understand that eternity is what's there. Yes, Jesus says, yes, there is the give us this day our daily bread. There is this give me what I need today to survive and to thrive what I need to do today. But there is also the, and even more importantly, I've come to bring you life eternal. And he's trying to shift them from the temporary to the eternal. I'm curious this morning, is he trying to do that to you?
Is he trying to shift your mindset from always just thinking about what's going on day to day to day to day, hour to hour to hour, what I need now, 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 now? Is he trying to push you out from that and shift your mindset and go lift higher, look higher? It was interesting, went to the San Diego Zoo, and while we were at the zoo, uh, we would walk, and I don't know if you've been to the San Diego Zoo, but it is hilly, and there are trees everywhere, and it's hard to know what right to left, and we would go, oh, we'll take this path, because obviously it's a shortcut, and then all it does is loop you back around and drop you there, and you get like 17,000 steps before lunchtime, and you're just like, ah, it's crazy. But then we got on this little gondola ride that took us above, and we could go over, and we're like, oh, gorillas, hey, there's an elephant. I don't know what that is. We could see all these cool things. We had this cool perspective. Like, oh, that's where that goes. That's where this is. Oh, that's where that jumps. And you could see the layout of the land. You got a big picture. Sometimes we just get so caught in the trees and the woods that we can't figure out which way is left and right. And we're so consumed with that that we forget that there's a bigger picture. That the bills will continue to come. Our bodies will continue to break down. Our minds will continue to be worried. We will be frustrated. We will experience brokenness. And if that's your eye level, and if that's where you stay, and that's all you focus on, it will consume your world and your life. But if we can remember who God is, what happens is now suddenly we can get a lay of land. We can see things through his perspective, through an eternal lens temporary one. He wants to move us off of the temporary and into the eternal. And then last, Jesus reveals the way to this eternal. Not only does he say, hey, here, I've come to bring you eternal life. Good luck. Hope you find it. Then he says, let me show you the way. Jesus reveals the way to experience and receive this eternal life. He does this. He says he invites them to come and to believe in order to receive him. He makes it very, very clear. I love that he doesn't make this complex. This isn't some, you know, quadratic equation that you have to work out, you know, on the back of a cereal box or something. This is like, he's like, let me make this simple. Let me tell you exactly how this works. You want to do this? It's Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. That's it. I'll ask people all the time. It's, it's funny. I'll ask people, so do you, you know, are, are you saved? And they're like, I don't know. I don't know if I can know. I go, oh, yeah, it's really easy, actually. Did you, did you give your life to Christ? Did you, did you ask for forgiveness? Did you confess your sins to him? If you come to him and you believe in him, you are saved. But we have to come and believe. What does that entail? Oops, I didn't put it on there. Never mind. I'm just going to tell you. What it means is when it's this idea of coming to him, it means leaving the world. The invitation to come and follow. If you look at when he talks to his disciples, he says, come and follow me. When he says, come to me, he doesn't say, okay, stop following that direction. Stop going that way. You're not going to come follow me. Come to me. It means leaving the world. And a lot of us, that's the problem. That's the issue. That's where we can't get past things is because we don't want to leave the world. But you don't know what's going on. I mean, I've got my kids, I've got my family, i got my job, and I'm good at my job, and I get paid. And then there's golf. I love golf. And even though I'm not good at it, I love being out there trying to be good at it. And there's vacations, and there's, there's food. And there's, we think about all these things. We're like, i got to leave? He's like, yeah, except for the golf. You can keep the golf. The golf's good. 
No, he says, that can't be the focus of your life anymore. It's got to be me. And what's crazy, what I've learned over my experience is as I submitted my life to Christ and said, okay, God, whatever you want, it's crazy how some of those things that I really love that he put a passion in my heart for, he still provides. He still makes happen. He knows. He knows who you are. He knows who I am. But we have to come to him. And then as we come to him, the second thing we have to do is believe in him. We have to trust him. We have to put our faith in him. Trust him. Do you trust God with your life? A lot of us would say yes. But when it comes right down to it, it's no. Oh, I trust me. I'm smart. I'm intelligent. I trust my, I really have to lean in and trust him above everything else. He's like, yeah, that's how this works. Jesus wanted to reveal to us very clearly, very easily what it is that he wants us to do with our lives and how we can receive this eternal life. And this is such a great word. If you got your Bibles, and just underline that word, whoever, whoever. Because isn't it easy for us to disqualify ourselves? You know you. You know the things that you've done. You know the things that you've done that nobody else has seen you do. And even worse, you know what you've thought when nobody else knows what you've thought. And he says, I don't care what you've thought or what you've done. If you will come to me and believe in me, I have eternal life for you. Jesus is revealing this to us today, just as he was revealing it to them back then. And it's simple and it's available to us today. So the invitation comes to believe. Who do you say that he is? Who is Jesus to you? Does it line up with Jesus, what Jesus is saying about himself? Or is it something that you have now taken him and massaged him and, 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 and tweaked this and cut this out and added this on to make him palpable for you? Who do you say he is? Is he the Messiah? Is he the son of the living God? Is he the one that you have come to and left this world and the one that you believe in. That's what Jesus has revealed as he says, I am the bread of life. Anyone who comes to me will never hunger, will never thirst again. I just want to do, you bow your heads and just kind of close your eyes with it today. Today, I just want you to respond right where you're at. Whether you're at home with us today or whether you're here, just bow your head, close your eyes for just a second. What's your relationship with God like? Are you in a right relationship with him or not? The Bible's very clear. To be in a right relationship, we need to come to him. We need to believe. First John 1, 9 will go on and say, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Today, as we're here, today at home, as I pray, I just encourage you, if you want to, today the offer is there, it's extended. Come to him. The band's going to come and play right after I pray here. But uh, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you that we don't have to try to figure out who you are, but rather you revealed who you are to us. And as we look over these next couple of weeks here at these different statements that Jesus made, Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us who you are. Would you shape and form how we see you? Would you shape and form even, Lord, what you want to be for us and what you have for us?
And Lord, today, if there's anybody in this room or anybody at home out there, Lord, that has not received you, if there's anybody out there that has not, that is hunger and they're thirsting and they've been searching for so many different things, Lord, but they've not come to you, the only one that can satisfy and quench the thirst and the hunger, Lord, I pray that we would come to you today. Lord, we believe in you. We want to follow you. We believe that you are God. And we believe that you love us, God. So today, today we just give ourselves to you so that we may experience satisfaction like no other. In your name we pray. Amen. Ben, why don't you lead us?